This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. The scripture this morning is from Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 21. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God, will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For... As I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I don't know if you know that uh, that was Jonathan Canamore's first time leading worship by himself, but didn't he and the, the worship band do a great job? And just uh, kind of a heads-up reminder, I hope you know that there's a special event coming up on Thursday. It happens to be February 14th, a holiday that has a big heart on it, Valentine's Day. So maybe you have somebody you want to express love to, just a little reminder. Uh, You might know that most of the staff, or or quite a few of them were at a midwinter conference this past week in San Diego. And I just want to give you a, a little update on, well, it was the staff as well as two people from the lead pastor search committee, Ben Schaffman and uh, Sherry McDonald. And ju- just a couple things about that conference. Uh, one, I, I talked to Ben, and, and toward the end of the week, he used the word encouraging, that, that it was an encouraging week for him in the context of that uh, search. Th- there were no you know formal interviews or anything like that. I don't want to mislead that way, but he was encouraged by by the week. A key purpose of the Midwinter Conference is continuing education for, for pastors and, and staff people in church. And um, among the classes, I had two classes. Obviously, there are many classes. And one of them was on marriage and the ministry and how we can keep healthy our, our own marriage in the context of ministry. And our denomination is real strong on on helping and encouraging and, and giving teaching on how we can be healthy as pastors 
in, in churches and in that setting, and it was, a, it was a real good class. Obviously, there are multiple worship sessions, and they're all the music and the speakers are phenomenal. And let me just give you one illustration of one speaker. It was a pastor in a church in Egypt. Now, not, not all of the people that spoke were from the Covenant Church, but it was a pastor in a church in Egypt. Obviously, it's a Muslim context. And he gave an illustration about somebody coming for baptism. And the pastor doing the baptism, before doing it, said to this, this new believer, are you prepared for this? Because it, this can mean your life. Physically, you could die because you'd be considered an infidel and be killed for converting to Christianity. Are you prepared to die? And that new believer said, have you seen Jesus? Now, the backstory to this is that in, in, in that area, I, I was trying to remember the, the exact illustration. It was at least hundreds, if not thousands of people had had, had visions and dreams of seeing Jesus. Jesus came to them, and it was very vivid. So this new believer says, have you, have you seen Jesus? And the, and the pastor who was doing the baptisms said, um, well, I, not exactly. I mean, you know, spiritually, I, I prayed to Jesus, but seeing, no, I haven't seen Jesus. He said, if you had seen Jesus, you wouldn't even ask me that question. Of course, I am willing to die for Christ. Mm. And apparently that kind of thing is happening not... It could be in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, but people are coming to faith in Muslim countries, both because of faithful pastors and, and the love and the prayers that go out, and behind the scenes, the work of God, visions and dreams. And that was just one illustration of one speaker. Very powerful. Um, a little lighter note. Um, had lunch with Pastor Mark and Patty, and maybe not everyone knows that Pastor Mark had been the pastor, the lead pastor here for 17 years, and they moved to a suburb of Seattle, Sammamish, Washington. They're doing well and, and, you know, getting settled in. It takes a while to settle into a new place, but that's going well. So anyway, thank you. It, it is very rewarding, refreshing, good for the staff when we go to things like that, and, and you make it possible. Every once in a while, I read or I hear something that causes me to kind of stop in my tracks, so to speak, and, and say, wait a minute, what, what was just said? <laughs> what did I just read? And such a thing happened on New Year's Eve. I read a quote from a 15th century priest and author, Thomas Akempis. He said, Happy is he that always hath the hour of his death before his eyes and daily prepareth himself to die. Happy is he. The hour of his death before his eyes, daily prepared. I'm thinking, how can the hour of your death, how can that be a happy thought? Where's the happiness in preparing yourself to die? And 
as I reflect, I thought, I think it's getting to the point of, it's happy if you live well. It's, it's a happy thought if you have prepared to die, you have lived a life well, and, and you're prepared to die, see, because death isn't the end. Today we're in the, this is the final sermon in a series on, on family matters. And the, the theme, the topic is on leaving a legacy. And frankly, as I'm preparing this, it, it goes way beyond leaving a legacy for your family. It is leaving a legacy as, as Christians for everyone we meet. You know, that word legacy, you think of it, it's, it can be intimidating. And I'm preparing a sermon, it's like, who am I to speak about legacy? You know, it's, it's daunting, it's huge. And the implications are, are huge. But, but let me just put it in perspective. Legacy is really easy to do. It is happening right now. All of us are leaving a legacy. It just happens automatically. Legacy is what we hand down. That's it. What we hand down. And I'm not thinking about financial, you know, what's in your bank account and that kind of what we hand down. But I'm thinking about our character, our example, uh, the, the memories that people have of us, what we pass down. And that is happening 24 7. Whether it's in our family or at school or work setting, neighborhood, where any, what we hand on, what people remember, the example we set, and that just happens very easily, it happens automatically. The, the, the question still remains, is it going to be a godly legacy? Is it going to be uh, maybe more self-centered? Is it going to be, well, okay, I'm content with average. It'll be an average. Will, will it be anything that lasts? Anything that somebody's going to aspire to? There's all kinds of examples of, of legacy, but both good and bad. Because of this conference in San Diego, I, I had this prepared even a couple of weeks ago. That's never happened. So some of my illustrations are from, you know, the newspaper a couple of weeks ago. But on January 21st, Monday, January 21st, it was uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. And obviously that African-American pastor, Martin Luther King Jr., left a, a godly example and legacy for civil rights in nonviolent ways. Same day in the paper, uh, President Barack Obama was sworn in for a second term. And here, here's the headline under that. It said, with an eye on his quote, legacy, uh, stakes are high for president's inaugural speech, stressing common ground. Again, the same day, another, another headline, sex offenses, major reason U.S. military leaders fired. And I was looking down in that article, and here's just a little teeny piece of that article. Sex has proved to be the downfall of presidential candidates, members of Congress, governors, and other notables. It's also among the chief reasons that senior military officials are fired. Legacy. It, it, it's what is handed down. It's kind of like, that's the headlines. When people talk about you after, after you're gone, what, what's going to be the headline? That's your legacy. And it just happens automatically. So in that sense, it's easy. 
But is it going to be a godly legacy or not? Lance Armstrong, he seemed to be going strong there with his legacy, seven Tour de France titles, bronze, gold medal, cancer survivor, and all the encouragement that that gives if you've had cancer and so forth. And then all that comes crashing down for maybe what his lasting legacy will be, lying and deception. Leaving a legacy, it's easy, happens automatically, but, but it is a godly legacy. Are we leaving a, an example that's worth following? I want to take kind of a time out. I'm trying to imagine, okay, who's listening to this and what's, what's going through their head? And I, I want to talk to two Categories of people, if I can put it that way. The first one is whoever, whoever is among the youngest people here. You're probably in elementary school, maybe high school, but, but whoever the youngest, if, if you're thinking all this legacy stuff, that, that's not for me, okay? That's, that's for the older people. I have this question What is going to have a bigger impact? Someone who has lived virtually their whole life following Christ or someone who has come to Christ later in life. See, I think sooner is always better than later. Sooner and younger is always better than later and older. And and a a younger person is going to influence more people over the years of time of their life than somebody who comes to Christ, you know, late in life. So anyway, if if you're thinking... that's for the older people, it's not for me. Sooner is always better than later. Always. Second category of people, if you're thinking, you know, maybe I'm in that other category, later category, and, you know, maybe I'm a late bloomer, but I'm just now starting to get it figured out. And it's too late for me to, well, at least, at least leave a lasting legacy. And my word to you is it's never too late. Absolutely never too late. I don't care how old you are. And I just think of the thief on the cross. Remember Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And in the midst of that, one of them has a change of heart, right then and there, has a change of heart, turns to Jesus and has a confession of faith, trust, allegiance in the king. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What is that thief remembered for? What's his legacy that we remember? At least historically, what we have written down, the headline that's written down, we don't know the list of his crimes. Obviously, he did stuff wrong. But what is remembered and enduring is his confession of trust in Christ and the encouragement that that gives people. God graciously takes whatever we give him and will use it. It, it is never too late. Let's jump into Philippians 3, and we're going to go, well, not sort of verse by verse, but, but section by section through the passage that was just read. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I just stop there, man. I think, wait a minute. Who's writing this? It, it's Paul, 
someone who has written a whole, a whole bunch of the New Testament. And he said, I haven't taken hold of it. I was like, well, wait a minute. If he has it, what, what hope there is for me? As godly as Paul was, he, he wasn't leaning on those accomplishments. He not only set behind him his sinful life, okay? not that he's perfect, but he was persecuting the church, he was very anti-Christian, and now he's not and he's advancing the cause. He set that, that, that life behind, but he's also set all his accomplishments behind him. He's looking ahead. Hey, I, I haven't arrived yet. I'm still moving on. When you're reading Philippians 3, think of legacy. Okay, What matters? So starting again, the last half of Philippians 3.13. But one thing I do, that's a very short list. Okay, Very narrow focus. One thing. Forgetting what is behind... Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In, in a race, the, the laps behind you don't matter, right? It's just irrelevant. It's the laps ahead of you, ultimately the goal. That's what matters. Paul is saying he's passionately focused on following Christ. Passionately. Not, not casually. Passionately. A single determined Focus. What's your legacy going to be? What's my... I, I have to preach to myself before I get up here. What's my legacy going to be? What am I... What are we passionate about? Because it's what we're passionate about. That's going to be the headline. If we dissected legacy, kind of put it under a microscope... What does it look like? We would see our core beliefs and values. Okay? Our legacy, it's what we repeatedly do. Our habits. Okay? But those come out of our core beliefs. Our core values. And if you're reflecting on your life, and if you don't like what you see, or significant parts of your life, you don't like what you see, honestly, it is not a quick fix. It, it isn't. To make a course correction when we're talking about legacy, you've got to go back to your core beliefs, your core values. See, if, if we repeatedly do something, if we've got habits, if we've got passions, you don't just change those overnight. You don't come to church on a Sunday, hear a sermon, and go home and change your life. You've got to go and dig deeper. What are my core beliefs and values? Is following Christ the single most important belief? And we can have a lot of beliefs and a lot of passions, but... At the top of them all is following Christ, the single most important belief and value you have. And I encourage you, don't, don't answer that really too quickly. If, if your life doesn't reflect a priority in Christ, then I suspect there is something else 
competing that's a higher value. And reflect, what is that that's in competition? Is following Christ the single most important belief and value you have? Let's continue reading. Philippians 3, uh, verse 15. All of us who are mature, okay, grown up, should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now pay attention to this, verse 17. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. It's a dangerous thing to say, follow me. You say, follow my example. You set yourself up for failure, for criticism. And Paul is either extremely arrogant or transparently humble. I I borrowed that term from something I read, but I, I don't think he is in the arrogant category. He's already said, wait a minute, I I haven't arrived yet. I've still got a ways to go. I I don't think it's the arrogant. I think it's the transparent humility that he's saying, okay, I haven't arrived, and yet even though I haven't arrived, follow my example. And and I'm not the only one, Paul saying, I'm not the only one. There's others who are following the example that we have set out for you. Follow their example. See, that's... That's bold legacy talk. Look at me, follow my example. Um, and people do. They, they watch us and, and, and look at our example. Obviously in our family, but uh, co-workers, people at Jitters, uh, people in school. And if you think, well, I don't know, I don't have too many people watching me, I'm just a little nobody or whatever... Don't be so sure that somebody's not watching you. On New Year's Eve, I was in Seattle because our, our middle son, Travis, was married two days earlier. And we were borrowing Pastor Mark and Patty's car. And unbeknownst to me, I ran a red light. And somebody was watching. But, but I didn't know it. Okay, I, I seriously wasn't. You know, I didn't know it. Cynthia was in the car, you know, until I get an email. The first email since Mark left, I get an email that the the subject line says, oops. (laughs) And there's a hefty fine that that Patty's car got. And so here's here's the uh, here's the evidence. So it's it's uh, New Year's Eve. It's only 816 uh, in 15.9 seconds in the evening. See, this stuff's got to hold up in court. And there were three pictures plus a video. I mean, they got you seven ways. <laughs> Speed, 30 miles an hour. Okay, see, yeah, I wasn't. Boy, other, see, if it was faster, I, w- I wouldn't be using it as an illustration here. <laughs> and, but, okay, there it is. Those are clearly red, red lights. And, and this is Patty's car, and, and one of the slides was zoom of the license plate. The hefty fine is $124, which I promptly paid. People are watching. That, that's the point of this. People are watching. And even if your example is not one that you want people to look up to, like, okay, this example, still, 
Okay, transparent humility. Own up to it. Pay the fine if that's what's needed. Apologize if that's what's needed. Do, do whatever is right to try to mend the fences, fix things a little bit, and, and move on. Jeff Schulte last month at the Men's Summit challenged dads, reveal your heart to your kids. And that might mean seeking forgiveness from them. It might mean admitting your need for God. And really what you're doing is modeling for them what they're going to need. They're going to need forgiveness. They're going to need to be dependent on God. Model that. Transparent humility. All this stuff, and again, I've been preaching to myself before I ever write anything down, it can produce guilt. And I'm like, who am I? And look at all my faults. And honestly, we're all going to go to our grave with baggage. <laughs> I, you know, I used to think, you know, I'll, I'll arrive, certainly getting a pastor, having a title in front of your name, and I'll say, you know. We're all going to go to our grave with baggage, and we need forgiveness. We need second and third chances. We need grace. Well, okay, model that. Because the people around you will, for the rest of their life, they'll need that. Model that. Be humble enough to admit your faults, and then move on. Okay, don't stay there. Move on. I want to briefly touch on the rest of the passage. I can go back. I didn't want that. There we go. Verse 18. For as I have told you before, and now say again, even with tears, this ends up being an an emotional thing for Paul, even with tears. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. See, you can be an enemy of the cross and not be an overtly bad person. They just have to have their mind primarily focused on more earthly things. And they're probably even good earthly things. It's just not that ongoing focus on Christ. And that person's leaving a legacy too, but it's just not a godly legacy. It's more of an earthly legacy And it's enough to bring Paul to tears. He continues, verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his own glorious body. Where's your focus? Earthly things or heavenly things? Okay. Not, nothing wrong with earthly things, okay? And I love nature and all kinds of good stuff. But, but even above all that, what's your top primary focus, godly or earthly? A few weeks ago, I asked the Tuesday morning prayer team, the, the one that, that meets in person, there's, there's dozens of people that pray every week for the, the needs of the church. But they have to do it when they get home from work and so forth. But the prayer team that meets in the morning Tuesday, I said, what are your thoughts? Just off the top of your head on leaving a legacy in your home, what are your thoughts? The people there that day were uh, the likes of uh, Hank and Lil Pearson, Ralph and Gert Fondell, Bob Gleason, Linda Howard, people I look up to and say, yeah, I can look up to them. They're already leaving that kind of legacy. Here's their 
thoughts. Oh, there it is. Read the word of God to your kids and grandkids. Cherish your children. Love them. Tell them that you love them. Walk the talk. Be real. All this serious topic, legacy stuff. Somebody said, well, spice it up with some humor. Important to keep in mind. Respect. Somebody, and this I think applies to people if you're thinking, hey, it's too late for me. It's kind of a military, rugged standard. Hey, if you're not dead, do your job. <laughs> okay? It's never too late. Micah 6.8, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Only a handful of things that are worth passing on. All of us are leaving a legacy. What are your core beliefs and values producing? Maybe it's a bad legacy. I I tend to not think people that are listening to this have this bad legacy. But maybe it's more good but earthbound. Or is it average? You know, I set my sights on being an average Christian. Or are you, you pressing on to win the prize of the high call of God? Happy is he that always hath the hour of his death before his eyes and daily prepareth himself to die. Live well. Press on, lean, lean into the high call of God. Amen. Pray with me a minute. God, we perpetually need your help, and even in wanting to follow you, I find myself, I think we need to say, God, help me even in following you. But we do pray, we do ask for that. God, if we need a course correction, give us I'll say insight into those core beliefs so, so we can make those course corrections. Pray for courage. I pray for endurance. That having started the race, that all of us will finish strong. Pray that for Christ's sake. Amen.